0: Tonight, as we come to our text, we're in Philippians chapter 2 again. If you would turn there in your Bibles, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19 is where we'll begin. Philippians 2 and 19. Paul has moved us through an incredible first chapter and an amazing introduction and in prayer. A, a truly an, an uncanny report on the gospel progress. Uncanny in the fact that Paul is rejoicing even in those who are contrary to him, because he recognizes that even in those who are aggressive towards him, they are still carrying forth the truth of the gospel. And, and so he rejoices even in that difficulty for the proclamation of his selfless service and his recognition that this could be the end of his life in this Roman prison. Yet he is comfortable with whatever comes, knowing that his life is in God's hands, as is each of ours. What a wonderful message for us. And also amidst that that he realizes that God will move him forward for it is for the good of the church. That's a very important message because we see echoes of that confidence and of his assurance that he will yet have more ministry to the Philippians even in our text tonight. So and as incredible as that first chapter was, we next move to the amazing second chapter. And over the past several weeks, we've examined the first verses of this chapter. We've looked at the tremendous hope and the unity that is in Christ and through his church. We've, we've looked at the two natures of Jesus and, and his submission and how in his submission he paints a picture for us. And our lives are to represent in like fashion all that he did. And we too are to live in a submissive and obedient way to him. That idea of obedience carrying through our last section as we talked about growth in sanctification, in holy living, in living without grumbling, and in rejoicing in all things. Well, tonight the letter makes a significant shift to personal concerns. We've looked at some doctrine, we've looked at a lot of practical components, and now Paul makes a significant shift to address some of his personal concerns. Our title for our message tonight is Meeting an Urgent Desire. Meeting an Urgent Desire. We'll see it here in verses 19 to 30. Let me read these verses and then we'll come back and begin to discuss them. Philippians 2 and verse 19. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus." But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel, like a child serving his father. Therefore I hope to send him immediately, as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need. Because he was longing for you all and was distressed because he had heard, because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him only, but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient. In your service to me. Paul had an urgent desire. And that urgent desire is to know what's going on with the Philippians. Whatever it is, there's something that has really burdened Paul's heart. And as we recognize and understand that this is not the first time in the scripture that we've seen Paul with this burden for a church. We see it also for the church in Thessalonica. In fact, in the third chapter of 1 Thessalonians, if you want to turn just a few pages ahead to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we see this very thing going on, actually with a bit more explanation, which helps us get a little better picture into what might be going on. 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 1, Paul starts talking about a similar situation. He says in First Thessalonians 3.1, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction, and so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I can endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain." So here in 1 Thessalonians, Paul is sending again an emissary to the church in Thessalonica because he is concerned about their faith. We see two major elements that come up regarding their faith. The first is why there might be a weakness, and that's at the end of the verse in verse 5 where it says that the tempter may have come and tempted you. That is, Satan may have come and tempted the church. Paul is no longer there and he is obviously going through some very difficult times as we see earlier on in the first verses and now that they know about that difficulty they may be feeling like would God allow this to happen? Don't we have that in our own lives? When we see someone struggling horrifically when we think about praying for a five-year-old little girl with brain cancer doesn't it, doesn't it tend to unnerve us? Doesn't it tend to shake us in the foundation of our faith and say, would God allow this to happen? That is our flesh. That is a question that is not what we're to ask, but we ask it when we have our own personal physical struggles or any number of struggles that we see in our lives or others. So these struggles tend to shake the foundation. Now we're not told exactly what this urgent desire is in Paul's life, but we know that there is certainly something that is going on that has created this situation where he spends all of these verses, 12 verses, to tell us about those that he is going to send to find out what's happening Because he wants to, as verse 19 tells us, to learn of their condition. Well, this meeting and urgent desire first comes to fruition beginning in verse 19 with our first point. And our first point is sending a sympathetic servant, sending a sympathetic servant. The first thing that Paul does is he sends a sympathetic servant to the church. Or so he prepares to do so. His desire is evident and this urgency of his desire is evident in the first phrase. But I hope in the Lord Jesus. Okay, we understand as a Christian, and Paul as the epitome of a Christian, when we talk about hope, and we talk about it all the time, we're not talking about a pie-in-the-sky hope like the world hopes. We're not talking about going to buy a lottery ticket and win $250 million kind of hope. The hope of the Christian is the assured reality of that which is going to occur, but which the time is not understood. God is going to bring about the fruition of hope. But Paul, as he speaks about hope here, the earnestness is conveyed because it is a hope in the Lord Jesus. So he recognizes that there is a desperate situation, so much so that his hope is not just that assurance, but it is a hope that he holds to and recognizes as that which is founded in Christ. So whatever is going on in Philippi, Paul is having a hope that he has established in God himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that hope is that he would send Timothy to them shortly. Timothy is, of course, his fellow servant. He is one who we see in Acts. Paul took with him on the ministry. He recognized the foundation of his mother as First Timothy and grandmother and the power of the faith that was in them that he grew up in. And, and Timothy is then taken along with Paul as his key worker, his most important disciple. So he sends Timothy off and the urgency is again expressed As he says, I hope to send him shortly. I hope to send him soon. So he, for whatever reason, and we'll see what that reason is in a moment, but he can't send him right now. But he has this urgency to it. He wants him to go out. He would love nothing more than Timothy could go because as he was worried about the Thessalonians and he sent someone to the church of Thessalonica, so also is he very worried about something going on in Philippi. So he wants to send Timothy soon to learn of this. And the point of all of this urgent desire is for Paul's encouragement. So we can assume that to some degree, he's not now encouraged. Whatever he's hearing about the church in Thessalonica, perhaps something that Epaphroditus, who came from Philippi, that perhaps something there has caused him to be disturbed. So he's worried about the Philippian church, and and it is causing him some discouragement. So he hopes to hear what's going on, realizing that there is a, a strong likelihood because of their faith that they will be fine, but he doesn't, for whatever reason, have that assurance. So he wants to be assured. Verse 20 tells us Paul's reason for sending Timothy. He says, Timothy is a kindred spirit. Literally, that Greek word means same spirit. He is of exactly the same spirit and nature as Paul. How can that be? How can he be of the same spirit? Well, because he's controlled by the Holy Spirit, isn't he? You see, beloved, we too can be ought to be and must be guided by that same Spirit. This is the principle by which our our church and the Bible tells us all churches are to be established. This is the principle on which elders function. It is a same Spirit. It is a oneness that must go forward that we relying upon the Holy Spirit are not going to be divided on the actions that are taken because there is not a division in God nor in His Holy Spirit. And so, Timothy here is of kindred spirit or is of the same spirit. Some translations translate this like-minded, and that is an excellent translation. But what we see here is that there is such a great importance in this. It is so vital, and we can't overstate it, what it is like to have someone in the ministry who is like-minded, Or more appropriately, what a huge drain and what a detriment it is to the work of a ministry when someone is not like-minded, when they are contrary to the effort. In many cases, it's better to be on your own. We see a biblical example of that with our beloved Paul. Remember his second missionary journey? And he goes to Barnabas and they're ready to send them out. And who comes back into the picture but one of their first traveling companions, John Mark. And Paul says, no, he abandoned us at the first stop on the island of Crete on our first journey and I'm not taking him with me. He's contrary to the effort. He's destructive. He does not have a heart and a commitment to move forward. There's nothing more difficult than being in ministry with someone who is a drag on the efforts, someone who is pulling behind, who is never fully engaged, who's never fully supporting and moving ahead in all that's going on. It's incredible to, to understand this, and it's impossible to overstate how difficult a ministry is without someone that is like-minded. Again, you're better off to be working a ministry by yourself because although you may be even more overworked, at least there is a constant forward trajectory and you're not trying to drag someone along who is not desirous of participating in those things which you believe the Lord is moving you towards. But Timothy has a genuine concern He is one who absolutely is fully engaged. He he has a kindred spirit, he is like-minded, and he has a genuine concern for them. As Paul loves them, as Paul is all in for them, so is Timothy. It is one who, as if Paul were there himself, as as Paul's emissary, he reflects the exact love. He He reflects the exact hope for them, the exact fears for them. And Timothy will be concerned about their welfare. This is where we get the idea of a sympathetic servant. Timothy recognizes Paul's burden that there could be a problem. And so he too wants to go for the great apostle and to find out what's going on. Paul contrasts Timothy's genuine concern in verse 21. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. The same as those who are not of kindred spirit. They're not seeking the things of the gospel. They're not seeking the forward progress of the ministry. They're seeking their own agenda. I've got my own purposes. I'm trying to take things my way. Exactly what we saw between Paul and Barnabas. And so Paul says no. No, I need to be about this goal. I will go. And there occurs, as we're told in Acts 16, there is a bitter disagreement between the two of them. And they part so that Paul may be able to pursue his ministry. So, Paul, Paul wants to, them to know that Timothy is not one that is seeking his own interest. He is therefore their good. He is there like-minded with them. And he is one who is in line with Paul's goal of honoring Christ Jesus. Not like others who would be contrary to that. So vital for us to, to realize all that's going on here in this point as one who is like-minded, one who is submissive, one who is willing to move forward. It's exactly what we saw at the beginning of Philippians 2. If we bounce back to verse 3 and look at verses 3 and 4, such familiar verses, so important for us to know. Philippians 2 and verse 3, "...do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, not pursuing their own desires, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves." Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Not those seeking their own interests. That's completely opposite of what the Christian life is to reflect. And so Paul says, Timothy is not of that. And he comes back in verse 22 to defend Timothy's character. But you know of his proven worth. That he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Paul echoes Timothy's proven worth. Or some translations have proven character. And that's it. Timothy has shown his mettle. He has shown that he is all in for Paul. Whatever's there, I'm about the work of the gospel. Paul, if something happens and you get taken out, I'm carrying forward. I'm here with you step by step. I'm here to encourage and guide and direct. But he has been shown to be one who has focused completely on God. And he has that proven worth. Not only the proven worth, but it's shown that he has it because he has served in the furtherance of the gospel. And that is the evidence of this proven character. Timothy's service for the gospel. He is a sympathetic servant. And that service for the gospel is Timothy realizing that this is all life is about. Beloved, how many times do we talk about the importance of our role, of our goal, of the whole reason that God has left us on this earth to carry forth the gospel? We have sweet fellowship. There's nothing like being together in church. This church is like so few that ever I have seen that have such joy in them, such delight in one another. Beloved, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. It's going to be infinitely better in heaven. Okay? It just is. We're going to get to sit and look at one another. We're not going to be tired at the end of a long day. We're not going to be dealing with the sins that so easily burden us. We're not going to be dealing with the encumbrances that hold us back in our mind, running here and there. It's going to be just unlimited joy, unlimited energy. Karen was talking about sharing with, talking with Averill earlier this afternoon. And he'd been sick for a little while, which, you know, burdens a mama's heart and and a dad's too. Um, He goes, I was so sick I went to bed at 11 o'clock last night. Yeah, well, I kind of remember one night at some point I went to bed at 11 o'clock. But I think it was because the puppy wouldn't let me go to bed. But we won't have that problem. We won't have the energy restrictions. So if all the things we're going to do in heaven, our fellowship, our worship will be more pure, our understanding of the scripture will be more pure, but we won't be able to proclaim Jesus to the lost. And Timothy is all about that. I'm carrying the message of the gospel. Beloved, everywhere we go, we've got to start our day by waking up and thinking, God, give me the words. Tell me where I'm going to go today. Point me to the people and give me the words to speak Christ. It's all that matters. It's the gospel. Timothy was all about it. And that showed his incredible proven character. And not only that, but he served, Paul tells us, like a child serving his father. A- an obedient child coming alongside of Paul and just acknowledging. And, and we all can recognize that. Now we understand too that there are times where um, some of our children weren't, aren't, won't be as obedient as we would like them to be. But the picture here is of that obedient child. It is of looking to that one who just wants to walk in your footsteps. You know, I, I love seeing Drake with Pap, right? I mean, what was going on the other day? They're sitting out there. They come up, you know, Drake comes up out of Sunday school. And, and he and Tom are sitting there kind of rubbing heads like this, going back together. I said, that is hysterical. That is a, a son, a grandson, but a son he just wants to be like Pop. Wants to be like Pap. Wants a car that's got a backup camera. But he still wants to be just like Pap. And, you know, it's just, that's how kids are at that time. They're just like all about that. You know, everything. They're patterning everything. I'm patterning my look. I'm patterning my walk. I'm patterning my talk. I want everything to be like that. That's what Timothy was like with Paul. Everything you're doing, Paul, I want to be about that. I want to follow you hook, line, and sinker. I'm all in. And so Paul is conveying that to them. As I'm sending you a sympathetic servant, I'm sending you the best, or I long to. I want my very best to come to you. And he is one that will serve like this obedient child. A verse that gives us a little picture about this is in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 17. 1 Corinthians 4 and 17 says, For this reason... I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Timothy is with you, beloved. I'm with you. Everything I'm teaching you, Timothy is teaching you. How can that be? They're different people, they are people of one book and one spirit. We stay with the book. We be guided by the Spirit. We are all able to fulfill this same program. We are all able to have this same perspective of a sympathetic servant reflecting the glory and beauty of Christ. Well, Paul had great urgency to send Timothy in verse 23 further conveys that where it says, Therefore I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. Conveys his urgent desire as he says he immediately wants to send him. And also, also the timing of his meeting that desire. He's ready to send him immediately. I'd send him now. He'd be out the door. But all that's holding him back is his situation. The immediate desire and the phrase in verse 23, as soon as I see reveals that Paul is expecting something. He's expecting an immediate decision. Where is he? This is where context and, and the beauty of expository preaching and being able to know, as we've talked about, Timothy's in jail. He's in a Roman jail. He's been hauled in, After going through all of the two years of garbage underneath Felix and Festus and all of Caiaphas and Anaphus and the nut job bunch back in Jerusalem, the boat ride that nearly killed him, and now he is in Caesar's jail. He's expecting a decision and he's expecting that that decision is going to be what? His death? No. Even though most prisoners die there, Paul has seen that his gospel has gone out to all of the praetorian guard and throughout all of Rome because he is so counterconditional. He doesn't expect he's going to die, although he'd be happy to die because he knows God has shown him that it is better for him to go on for them. He's expecting his release. Why not? What did King Agrippa say? Well, after saying, Paul, sounds like you want me to be a Christian too. I love that line. Paul says, grip, King Agrippa, I could wish for you and everyone who hears the same except for these chains that you would be like me. Blood, that's, a, uh, that, that's our goal. That's our, our passion for the gospel. I want everyone to know. I want everyone to know the joy of the gospel in me. Not the chains, Right? We've all got our baggage. We've all got our difficulty. I just want them to know all of the joy, all of the glory, because they're not going to go through the same baggage and chains I have. Paul's expecting, as King Agrippa said, you know, if it weren't for his asking to go to Caesar, there's nothing this guy's done wrong. Paul's ready to be released. So that's what he's looking forward to in his soon release. Now, some have said with regards to that, that as soon as I see things, how go for me, that maybe that's showing a little selfishness of Paul. I mean, why did it just cut him loose? Really? Paul, if you're that sure if it just cut him loose. Let's remember the particulars of a Roman jail. Okay? You don't, you don't go into a Roman jail and you get your three squares a day and they take you out into the yard and you play little hoops with the boys and you know, get a little banter going on. In a Roman jail, you get no food. No food, no light. No, nothing. If people don't bring you food, you die. And they say, oh, bummer, for you. But we're not paying to feed you. Timothy is not just there as kind of a rah-rah, let's go, Paul, hang in there, we're going to be out soon. He's keeping him alive. So it's vital that Timothy is there with him at this point. There's no selfishness whatsoever. In fact, it's critical that he stays So he understands the importance of this, but there is still this immediacy that goes on. As soon as I see, I'm ready immediately for that decision, and then we'll go. Paul's urgency is further expressed in verse 24, and I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. Paul's expectancy is again evident in the statement regarding his soon coming. I expect to be with you shortly. The same hope he reflected back in Philippians chapter 1 in verse 25. Where he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul knows it's coming. He's convinced of it. He just doesn't know when. You see, he begins, notice in verse 19, with his hope in the Lord, Jesus And now he concludes with his trust in the Lord, in verse 24. And I trust in the Lord that I myself will also be coming shortly. Whatever the urgent desire is that Paul has, he desires to meet it by sending his best, even the one who is providing his life support. This is why those that are are not like-minded are a further burdened. For they aren't team players, they can't be trusted, they won't go out as an emissary with the same zeal, the same message, and the same forward energy. But Timothy would. You know, beloved, this is like many of you. As you go out, as we have those that are of our body, that are out having surgeries, that are out in hospitals, that are out in rehabilitation facilities, you go. And as you go, you go as a a Timothy for all of us as elders. You go to share the love of Christ. You go to encourage and to strengthen. And for those of you who do so, I I would say as Paul told the Thessalonian church, excel still more. For those of you that don't, don't be hindered. Don't be afraid because that's usually what keeps us back from these things. Just go. Just go. Just go. You will find that every time you make an effort to go to one of these events, you will be more encouraged and more blessed than anything you pass along to them. And that's the way the Lord works in all of our lives.